Well, hey, good morning. Well, hey, it's great to see you guys here this morning. Uh, fall snuck up on us, didn't it? It's crazy. School has started. Uh, if you're a college student, uh, we want to make sure you guys get a special welcome too. You can find Pastor Kent after the service and he will point you in the right direction. I'm Seth, by the way, uh, one of the pastors here uh, at Salem. Uh, we are jumping into uh, the book of Mark. We kind of introed this last week in this new series uh, called Follow Me. And, you know, this is our gift to you. Again, we do this for all of our main series. And so if you didn't get one of these, you can, you can grab one after the service um, or just steal it from the person next to you. So, um, but uh, these are our gift to you. So we're, we're excited to jump in. This is going to be really a really fun season um, because this is really, you know, we haven't spent a lot of time directly in the person and life of Jesus. And so this is going to be really, really fun from my perspective. So I'm hoping that you guys are going to love, love this series as we kind of jump into, uh, into Jesus. So as we think about uh, fall, though, obviously today is, you know, fall kickoff. We think about, um, you know, probably most naturally. I know not everybody here is a sports person, so forgive me uh, for the sports analogies today. Next week, I'll use zero, okay? So, um, but kickoff, you know, is something that's connected to football for me. I'm, I'm, I love football. I'm more of a baseball guy, but um, I was watching um, uh, the Cubs yesterday um, with my daughter, um, and, uh, and so we're sitting there and watching the game, and, you know, I happened to look down at my phone for something. I think I got a text, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden, my daughter, who's five, as she's watching the game, she, she goes, hey, Dad, it's, it's the Candyman. And I went, that's weird. Yeah, uh, look up. And sure enough, there's this new guy that we traded for this year. His name is Jamer uh, Candelario. And he goes by Candyman. And I thought, huh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eden, who's your favorite Cubs player? And she's like, Cody. I'm like, Cody who? Bellinger. <laughs> Whoa. You, my friend, are a real Cubs fan. Loved it, you know, it was awesome. So as I was, I was picturing this moment, you know, again, and going, man, it's, it is easy for us, though, because we, we know a lot about people on TV who maybe know less about us, if we're honest, right? Uh, and so she's looking at the TV, and it's easy for us to fill in the blanks. So let's, do, let's play a little game here, okay? Um, I'm going to say a couple things, and then you guys can fill uh, in the blank. Here we go. Um, there was a guy, played for NSU, graduated, moved into the NFL. His name was Carson. Yeah, first service, these guys got it. These guys were like, huh? <laughs> Carson Wentz, okay? Uh, he started by playing for the Philadelphia Eagles, Eagles okay? Slightly less. <laughs> um, here we go. We'll keep going. Uh, who knows where this is going to keep going? Um, then he played for the Indianapolis Colts. Colts, okay? We're getting lower, less confidence. <laughs> and now he plays for the Washington Commanders. Yeah, <clears throat> Commanders. Yeah, yeah. So we can do that, right? Like we can fill in the blanks with those types of guys. Um, we're here at church. It's probably a little bit easier than we do with Jesus. He's a free agent. He's a free agent. <laughs> yeah, let's applaud that. All the people are online like, what just happened? Yeah, what just happened? I was wrong. Okay, it happens, you know. All right, here we are. So, but let's do it with Jesus. We're at church, right? This is a little bit easier. Jesus was born in a little town of... Right on. His mom's name was? Dad's name was? Walked on? Water? Uh, first disciples, Peter? James and John? And Andrew, we kind of forget about him. That's our story today. Um, how about this? Um, we're going to go back a little bit. How many wise men? Mm, don't know. Trick question. Yeah. See, I got back at you. Did you get that? 
<laughs> we know there's three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so we don't know how many actual wise men there were. Uh, Jesus also said that, if you, uh, that you can move mountains if you have faith like a mustard seed, right? Jesus later on was hung on a cross. You see, we can fill in the blanks when it comes to Jesus. And here's the thing, like when I think about whether it's Eden and I watching baseball or us looking at uh, players, we know a lot about them. There's this question of do they actually know us? And so when we, I wonder this at times, I wonder, is it possible, is it feasible that we might follow Jesus from a distance that we can fill in the blanks? But do we know the real Jesus? Do we know the Jesus that would have walked and spent time with that group of people and this group of people? And do we act like Jesus in this area of my life? Do I treat my work like Jesus? Do I treat my neighborhood like Jesus? Do we know the real Jesus? Because it's easy for us, I think, to fill in the blanks, but we have to know, do we know the real Jesus? And that's what this mark is about. Mark is about us diving into like this, this maybe This unknown Jesus for some of us and for other of us, it's like, man, I've known Jesus for a long time, but it's like, man, he's kind of, he's gotten a little messy. The Jesus vision has gotten a little blurry over the years. And so we want to jump back in and go, gosh, in the world and the culture in which we live in, we want to know the real Jesus. In fact, we said this last week, right, that the church is designed to be and needs to be a community of people who are united around a clear vision, not a messy, not opaque, not like gray version of Jesus, not a fake version or an unhard, undifficult version, but the real person works and mission of Jesus in the real life context of the world in which we live in, which is today. And as we looked at John the Baptist in those first eight verses, right, like we saw that, that John really was this guy, he's preparing the way, he's trying, to, he's trying to make room for Jesus. And so part of what we saw this last week is that when we remove or clear away the clutter, then what we can do is that we can actually focus on the things in life that are most important. And guys, if Jesus is most important in life, then we need to make room for Jesus, And that's what Mark is really about. And part of what we looked at this last week is this idea that that as John the Baptist enters in the scene, he says, hey, make make his path straight, right? That idea of straight is the Greek word uthus, which is this idea of something that is bent, that's being made straight. And so God is in the business of taking broken and bent things and making it straight. And what John is doing is saying, hey, return in kind. What Jesus is doing for you, you do. Make things straight. And so as we actually trace through Mark, we're going to find that here in the ESV, the word immediately is that same word. Sometimes it's an adjective, sometimes it's an adverb, but it's this idea of straight to straight away. And it's it's translated here, the idea of immediately. And it has the sense that there's action, but then there's a response. So like something's going to happen, but then there's this urgency in the moment where there's a response. And in that response, there's something to do about timing, right? It's right now. Now, like, when you see the word immediately, like, in Mark, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, oh, gosh, like, right at that moment. But what Mark is doing is that he's, he's highlighting the urgency. He's like, take this really seriously when it comes to timing, because it's about right now and going in a straight line, straight away, right there, right now to right there. And that's what we're going to trace. You can highlight through with the word immediately. In fact, you can actually look uh, in, in the book of Mark, and those, there's these two key moments that Mark 
mark is going to kind of breeze right through. And honestly, if you blink too long, you'll miss it, okay? That's how fast Mark moves in this. And he starts with the baptism of Jesus, right? So Jesus goes, he gets baptized, he comes up out of the water. And what happens is that immediately there's that idea of uthus, right? The heavens are being torn open and the spirit descends on Jesus. It's this crazy moment. Immediately, Uthus comes right out of preparing the way. What happens? Heavens open up immediately. Then what does he do? He goes right in. The spirit leads Jesus, immediately drives him out into the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. You see, if you blink too long, you miss it. Straight away, straight away, right away, right here, right now, to right there in just a moment, right? And it's like Jesus, as we jump into verse 14 today, we're going to jump in and Jesus is beginning his ministry. And so Mark has set the stage. He skips over Christmas. He's like, that's something Luke can do later. Matthew can do that, but I'm not. I'm going right to Jesus's ministry. And it's like you're at a race. That's like everybody's in their car and the guy in the background's like, start your cars. And it goes from red to yellow to green and you, and the the tires spin and the cars go. And it's like he says, and they're off. The ministry has begun. Here it goes. By the way, somebody told me after first service, you are spicy today. Here's the deal. Can I just tell you, forewarn you for a moment that Mark is fast moving and hard hitting. And it's kickoff Sunday, and I had eight cups of coffee, so buckle up. (laughs) We're going for a ride with Mark as we start this ministry of Jesus. But I know you're going to laugh because by the end, you're going to be like, it's hard. Because we're going to get halfway through the first chapter of Mark and you're going to have conflict with Jesus. Right here, right now, you're going to have conflict with Jesus because it's going to be the fake view versus the real view of Jesus. But here we go. What we're going to talk about is the right leader, the right vision, and the right people. Okay, Start with the right leader. Look at verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. You're like, who's the right leader? Jesus is the right leader, right? Because when you remember last week, right, if you were here, you saw that John the Baptist, he enters into the stage and people are like, hey, John, are you the dude? And he's like, no way, I'm not the guy. That's not me, it's not me. In fact, the guy who comes after me, guess what? He's so holy, he's so righteous, and guess what? He's so good that I can't even stoop down and touch his feet. I can't untie the sandal that's on his foot. He's like, I'm not the guy. This, the guy to come is the guy. And as Mark introduces Jesus, right, John the Baptist is arrested. He goes into Galilee, right? And we find that Jesus is the guy that Mark is highlighting. He's going, man, this is the guy. This is the guy who when he was in the Jordan River, God was like, this is my son, And you're like, whoa, I think that's the guy, (laughs) you know, like people are in the audience like, hey, is this the guy? God's like, yes. Okay, here we go. He goes into the 
wilderness. And guess what? Guess what he's done? He's tempted by who? He's tempted by Satan. Do you think Satan was like, hey, uh, Bob, the demon, you got this. Go for it. And Satan's like, no, ah, this is mine because this is the guy. This is the guy. Amen. I don't know. Right? Because this is the guy. And guys, here's what I want you to think about. Like, it's so easy for us to miss this when it comes to the text, is that Jesus was a person who went to people. He went to people. Because in this local context, right, John the Baptist rested. Where does Jesus go? He goes from the Jordan River to the Sea of Galilee or to the Galilee region. And so John, right, like John's ministry is ending and Jesus is like, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a hundred mile trek up there into the rural parts. That's where I'm going to go. And it's a bold move. Right? And it's such a simple thing for us to emulate. But guys, just be, even think about this. Why, why is Jesus so adamant about moving and going towards people? Is this where going towards people starts Jesus' story? No. It started in Philippians or John 1. The word became flesh, right? You go all the way back to this cosmic moment, and Jesus is like, man, these guys are in deep trouble. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this off, and I'm going to go over here. I'm going to put on flesh, and I'm going to be made in the likeness of man so that I can die on a cross and be raised for them. You see, Jesus ministry started with going to people. You want to emulate Jesus? You want to be more like Jesus? Can I just challenge you even from the start? Hey, start with this. Take a step. Go to people. Walk across the room. Make the initiative. Don't make people come to you. It's a simple thing, but this is a bold move on Jesus' part that we can emulate. And what I love about Mark is he's setting up this context as Jesus is moving into Galilee. I love that he's leaving the wilderness behind. Because remember that, that whole Israel story, right? They're like wandering in the wilderness, and then they come up to the Jordan River, and then they have to cross the Jordan to get into the promised land. Where's John the Baptist? Where's Jesus' ministry? Where does he go to be tempted? The wilderness. What does he do? He comes back, he crosses over, and he goes right up. He leaves the wilderness behind. The dry, the arid, the broken, the wandering, all of that story. And it's like Mark is leading us right in that moment to the flourishing, fertile grounds of Galilee. And it's like there's something fresh and new on the horizon around this person, Jesus. And so Jesus is not just the right leader, right? He's the son of God. We know that's his, that's his title. That's why he's the right leader. But when you're the right leader, when he's the right leader, guess what? It comes with a right vision. And he carries with him this gospel message. And it goes something like this. Here's the good news, people of Israel and people today. God is acting in the world that you live in. In fact, he's acting right now. He's working for your good and for the good of other people right around you. God is doing something. Do you want to be a part of it? That's the good news. This message that Jesus carries with him and ultimately it's centered in him and what he came to accomplish and instill and to give the world. So he has the right leader, but the right vision, right? Here's what he enters in. Here's what he starts saying. Here's the right vision. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Guys, these are the first words that Mark records in Jesus' ministry. And this is what he records. It's his first one-line sermon. 
Because I remember the first time I preached. <laughs> oh, don't go look for it. It won't help you. It's like 14 years ago. I don't even remember. I was in student ministry. I got on the stage and I was just learning and I was fumbling my way through it. I had like eight pages of notes. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, this is all right, but it could be better. I just want to go home. You know what? I bet other people just want to go home. I want to go home. You know, so I'm like, I'm getting through it, and I finally get to, I'm on page seven, and I go, oh, man, okay, here we go, page eight. And I put page seven under, and I look, and it's page one. And I was like, oh, no. What happened to page eight? And I started, I was like looking, and I was like, um, yeah, uh, I didn't know how to improvise. Uh, 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 I couldn't find it. Hey, it's great to be here with you guys today. Let's pray. And I closed the service. <laughs> The sweet lady comes up to me afterwards, and she goes, hey, Seth, uh, I do this for a living. Uh, you had some really good stuff in there. Can I just encourage you? Don't be afraid to finish strong. And I was like, I, was like, <laughs> I lost the page of notes. I don't know where it went. I'm so sorry. You know, like Jesus enters into the story with his first sermon, and he's like, the kingdom, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. That's crazy. And for some of you guys, you're like, that's a mic drop. And that just resonates in our hearts. And for others of us, we go, really? That's it? That's all we got? That's, like Jesus is the world, like, like famous best teacher of all time. And he's got one line. Guys, it's a summary. Mark is introducing, he's taking all of Jesus' stuff. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tackle all of this and put it into a line, and this is what I'm going to give you. Here's what you need to know. It starts with this. The time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. Time isn't, timing is an important thing in life. Um, there's a whole host of other you know, fun examples, but I was, we were watching the Husker game against our better judgment yesterday. Um, and, uh, and so I like entered into the room and uh, maybe just didn't realize how bad we were losing or something. It's kind of like you get in, it's like, hey, who's ready for nachos? And it's like, we're already losing. <sighs> and we lost like, like 30 to 14. I don't remember what it was. Like we quit at the fourth quarter. I was done. It's done, right? But timing is important when you walk into a room. When you think about Mark here, what he's recording as Jesus is entering into the story, right? Timing is important. And what Jesus' message is that the time is fulfilled. It's fulfilled, right? So if you come back to our story, you know, from last week, you guys might remember this, right? So we start with creation, right? So God has existed for all of eternity. He creates and he initiates the timeline for us as we know it. You know, timeline or ending TBD, we just don't know, right? And so Jesus, he creates Adam and Eve. But in chapter 3, there's this massive break because sin enters into the world. But God promises that he will bring someone to make it right. And so for... Over and over, you're going, is this the guy? Who's the guy? Is this the guy? Who's the guy? Is this the guy? Nope, 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 nope. And for thousands of years, you're waiting for God to make right what we made wrong. And you finally get to Jesus. And there he is. And so there's this moment, right? As Jesus is entering onto the scene, what does he say? He goes, guys, what started here, what we've been waiting for, starts right now. The time is fulfilled. And it's this big, large-scale, cosmic thing. And yet it's also this really small-scale thing because Jesus is born. Does Jesus' ministry start the moment that he's born? 
No. Do you like Jesus is like born, he's a baby, and then his very first words in life at like, at like year one, who's like, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Mom, dad's like, what? That escalated quickly. No, there's a 30-year window. You know, you're like Jesus, like he comes, he's, he's born as a baby, he grows up, and this whole time, like he's waiting for John the Baptist, right? John is doing his stuff. Do you ever like picture Jesus at like age 28 going, man, I just turned 28. When's John going to be done? I got to get going. 29, another year, come on. Jesus is patiently waiting waiting, waiting, and waiting. So you have these two timelines. You have this big, large, cosmic timeline, and you have this small, local timeline where Jesus is just waiting. And it's in the moment John the Baptist is arrested and Jesus identifies. It's like the music in the movie changes. Bum, bum, bum. Now it's time. The time is fulfilled. And so Jesus starts his ministry. And then what he's to do is he starts talking about this thing called the kingdom of God. And you're like, ooh, that's mysterious. That's cool. What is that? This has been debated for, for a long time. Some people would say that this is a political thing, that Jesus is instituting a time when a political king would come in and take over and reinstitute for the Hebrew people. Who were the people in charge at the time? Rome. Who's Mark writing to? Romans. Do you think that that would go over well? Like Mark's like writing a letter. <laughs> We're going to overthrow you with our king. You guys, Rome takes the back seat now because we are going to be in charge with our king. I don't think that's it. You know, maybe Jesus came and what he's talking about is the spiritual thing. Like Jesus enters in, he's building the kingdom of God. And, you know, he's like, hey, let me take your old heart and give you this new one and tidy it up. And there we go. Is that it? No, probably not. Is it something to do with like the end of times? Maybe. But like, gosh, like you go, here is the start of the judgment. Wow, that sounds scary. You're like, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus, what are you talking about? What is it that you're, this message that you're bringing, and if I were to simplify it into the simplest sentence, it's this. It's about God being made king right now. It's not about God being king in heaven. It's about God being king right now. That's what this is about. You guys, you think about like, you know, the Reformation. You guys remember the Reformation and the story of the church, the history of the world. You know, it's this moment, it's this time um, when, uh, you know, like we had kind of had this theology that was really rooted in some other things other than the gospel. And so as Martin Luther enters into the story, he has this aha moment reading Romans. He's like, man, this is, we've got this all wrong. The gospel is about this grace and it's a gift of God that he gives us that's meant to be received by faith. And so in doing, the church is, is like reformed around this gospel theology and all of a sudden things begin to make more sense. And you're like, wow, this is so good. This is so rich. This is so important. But can I tell you something is that since the Reformation, one of the problems as a Western church that we faced is that now we oftentimes think that faith is really simply just about us going to heaven. You see, what we do is that we picture Jesus. We remember that Philippians moment and we go, yep, Jesus came from heaven to earth. 
And so now, as a result, he brings this great gift, right? And now what we think is that what happens is that by grace through faith, all we do is we just believe, and now we get to go to heaven. And it's this great, right, exchange. And that faith really is now just about going to heaven more than anything else. And see, if this is true, guys, then what happens is that the gospel of Mark, you look at this, you go, why do the gospels even exist? Because the gospel of Mark then becomes a cute and neat bedtime story that you tell your kids about the great and wonderful Jesus who made heaven possible for them, which is true, but that's only half the story. Because what Jesus does is he establishes the kingdom of God. He's establishing the kingdom of God right here, right now. And so as we think then about this, if we come back, right, here's what happens is that we begin to see that there's earth and that there's heaven. And by identifying heaven, giving it a place, all of a sudden, wow, now what we have is this overlap. And right here in this space is the kingdom of God. It's about God being made king right here, right now. You see, we think, about, we think about heaven and we think about earth. The kingdom of God is this. Here's us in the present and here's the future. And what the kingdom of God is is that we're experiencing the future right now in the present. The present and the future. The future and the present. And we could go back and forth. And it's so what happens, though, is that it creates this moment of time in which we are experiencing the beginning or the inaugura- inauguration of this eternity, and it's really good, and it's, a, it's an already, it's already here, but because we're not over here, it's a, but it's not here fully. Already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. And this is where we come into tension, because for many of us, what's so hard for us when we have to face the real Jesus is that we come to this moment, and here's the reality, we want all of the comforts of this without on any of the discomfort of this. And that's what's hard. And Jesus is like, gosh, guys, this is not a dual citizenship type of thing. This is where I am king. And if you want to come and be a part of my kingdom, I've got the world's greatest gift for you. And it's about Jesus. It's Jesus. And he comes and he's like, hey, guys, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to live a sinless life on your behalf and it's going to be really good. And guess what? I'm going to give that to you and it's going to forgive all of your sins and you can have eternal life. By the way, it's totally free. There's no charge. All you got to do is believe in me. And we're like, oh, I love you, Jesus. That's so good. And it is. But Jesus is like, hey, but with that, I'm a savior. I'm also a Lord. With Savior comes Lord, comes my authority. You know, I was thinking about this this week, and you know, as Kent brought this, or Ken brought this this week, and I thought, oh, that's great. Actually, I didn't even know you were going to do that. I've got a story or an illustration that I was going to talk about this. So let's just imagine that Seth is the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. That would be really bad news for you. Um, I barely can kick a ball, okay? Um, and, uh, but let's just say that I'm the kicker and that the coach comes to Seth and says, here's the deal, Seth, um, we're on the 30-yard line. Uh, we desperately need some points. We need you to go and kick the ball and put it through the uprights and we'll get on the board. We need you. Let's go. And I'm like, yeah, coach, here's the deal. I'm actually more of a backup player. I'm like a backup guy. Maybe, you know, he should ask, you should ask Tim because he's really good at kicking. Okay, coach goes and asks Tim. Second game, coach comes. Seth, it's even easier. It's a tie game. There's nothing to lose. 
Zero, zero. We're in the first quarter. It's only 20 yards. You can do it. Just go and kick the ball. Hey, coach, uh, yeah, let me just clear the air. Because when I said last week, (laughs) you're going to think this is funny, coach. When I said last week that I was the backup player, what I meant was I'm the backup to the backup, to the backup, to the backup, to the backup. Really what I'm saying, coach, is that I'm the last person that you should call. In fact, actually, coach, funny thing is I love being a part of the team and I'm here, but really all I want is a Super Bowl ring. You get it. And Jesus is like, hey, when it comes to the kingdom, he's like, Seth, man, that's not the way that this goes. I am both your savior and I am your Lord. That's how it goes. There's no dual citizenship type of deal in this regard. And I'm not talking directly to Salem. I'm talking to the church at large. So don't feel that. But I want us to become in tune with the real Jesus. Because the words that follow, right after Jesus talks about the kingdom, he introduces this idea, and what does he say? He says, repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Guys, what is repent? What does that mean? Both the Hebrew, shuv, and in the New Testament and the Greek, the idea is the same. It's this idea of a U-turn. It's a U-turn. It's like we're going, I'm going life this direction, I'm going that direction, and I need to make a U-turn. It's like a buddy, you know, you have a friend or somebody that calls you and says, hey, you're driving in the car. Hey, can you meet me over at such and such place? Yep, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I got this. I know where it is. You start driving and 10 minutes later, you're like, man, I was wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. What do I do? Type it into GPS and it can tell you, hey, Seth, you're going the right way or it could say, hey, you're going the wrong way. You want to be at the right place at the right time with the right people. You need to do a U-turn. You got to turn around and you go one about what if in life like do you have these moments in life where you just pause where it's like you feel this this urge inside and it's the spirit just saying gosh you know should you really be thinking about that thing right now should you really be watching that should you really be smoking that should you really be you know dating that person should you really be treating your neighbor or your coworker that way i don't know what it is but it's like these moments that give pause where we go gosh the tension that i feel is between my kingdom and the way that I want it to be, and God's kingdom, who says that's not the way that I want it to be. Repent and do a U-turn. And so oftentimes, I think we think of repentance, and we think about this idea of sinning. Just stop sinning, stop sinning, stop sinning. I don't think that that's always the full story, because repentance is also this. It's turning around from any agenda that's not driven by Jesus. Because there's a lot of things in our lives that are good and maybe aren't sinful, but that are taking us a different direction than Jesus. And Jesus is like, ah, kingdom of God. Salvation is over here and my authority and my lordship is over here. Which is why he couples it with this idea of believing. This is not just about repentance, it's about believing. You got like, in order to be able to really repent and do what we need to do, gosh, our faith has got to be strong and deep. We gotta have to be convinced that Jesus is who he is, who he says that he is, and that he came to do what he came to do, and that when he calls us to do it, that he can help us do it. And so can I just like challenge you for a moment? When you say believe, can I just ask you, like, do you believe right now that no matter your history, whatever is going on in your life right now, can you believe that God is working for your good? That he's got good news for you, but also that he has good news for that neighbor. Right? 
He's working for good news. He's bringing good news. He's working in good ways for that neighbor who keeps blowing all of their leaves on your yard. Or whoever it is. He's like, I am working for the good of others. And then can you believe as a part of that that he says, and I also want to use you. You're my messenger. This kingdom that I'm establishing is where you get to be a benefit, but you're also a citizen. You're part of that. And so when I think about this, when we come back to this, you see what oftentimes happens is that here we are, we're living over, you know, we're living in this time and we're living a life and it's going away from Jesus. And so it's in that moment that's like, hey, there's that repentance. And so we do a U-turn, which by the way, do you ever do a U-turn in a car and then just stop in the road? No, you're going to cause an accident. And yet I think that what happens sometimes in our spiritual life is that we do this U-turn. And it's in this moment as we're looking back, because it's not just a change in direction, it's now giving us a new destination, because it's pointing us back to Jesus. Hey, you were going away from Jesus, guess what, now you can go towards him, and that's a beautiful thing. But it's in this moment right here that we oftentimes ponder, and this is where it gets hard, it's like where I, where I live, where I work, where I study, and where I play. And that's what we're wrestling with. Because if we move back towards Jesus, guess what? Jesus is like, where you live, where you work, where you study, and where you play, how you do all of life gets brought into the kingdom. And so we oftentimes get stuck right here because we don't want to bring that in. But this is the way that it's designed. And this is what's most satisfying and beautiful in the world in which we live in. And this is why repentance and belief are coupled together because it's about a changed life. And so oftentimes, I think when we think about these words, this idea that talking about the kingdom of God that's present, repent and believe, we go, man, like that's a message. And I go, it's not just about a right message that Jesus brings here. It's about a right vision. Because what he's saying is this, is he's casting a vision for a restored kingdom. This is the way that I want and long for the world to be. The way the world is, is not the way that it can be. And that's what he wants to match up with the way that the world one day will be. He says, that's what I'm working towards, ultimately. And he's like, in order to see that happen, I need the right team. And so here he is. He puts together this team. Look at verse 16. These are the right people. He says, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea because they were fishermen, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So not only do you have the right leader, the right vision, now you're starting with these right people. And I was, as a kid, I was always trying to wrestle through this and go, how does this actually work, right? Because Jesus is like walking by, he's this random guy, he sees two guys on a boat, hey, follow me, like a tractor beam, I can't help it. Like, how does that actually work? But Jesus actually knows these guys. Like Mark has bypassed that because Mark is just getting to the urgency of the story. But Jesus, he's been building a relationship with these guys. He knows these guys. These are hard-working Jewish men. We build boats. We're strong. We can do this. We fish, provide for our families. And yet, at the end of the day, when they lay their head down on their pillow, I bet Jesus knew that they went to sleep wondering, what am I missing in life? What is it that I'm missing? Jesus is like, these are my people. 
because they are longing for something. These are the right people. And so it's in this moment as he looks at Peter and Andrew or Simon Andrew, he's asking this. He's saying, are you all in? Are you all in? Are you in? Because if you're in, you're all in because that's what the kingdom of God is. It's about all of life under Jesus' rule. It's about him being savior, but it's about him also being Lord. And you wonder, like, in that moment, like, what's going on in this boat? Like, is it silence? Boom. Is there chatter? Would you believe? Is it wide eyes? Is it contemplative? We don't know. We don't know what happens in the boat. But do you remember like last week when John the Baptist is in the wilderness, he's calling out, he's crying out, and what do people do? They flock to him because the words resonate with something that's deep and broken inside of them. And that was the words of John the Baptist. He ate locusts and wild honey. This is the words of Jesus. It's like, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And when they hear it, I think it resonates in their hearts. And I think it resonates in yours and my heart today. I think that we were honest. We would say that is what we want. And it's also what the world needs. That's the real Jesus. And in that moment, what happens is Uthus, verse 19, 18, and immediately, straight away, they left their nets and followed him. There's action and response. There's timing and direction. You see, in that moment when Peter or Andrew uh, and, and Simon are right there in the boat, it's not like Jesus says, hey, follow me. And he's like, hey, Jesus, yeah, that sounds good. We're going to do a couple more laps in the boat. Get some more fish. Then we're going to go to Capernaum. Then we got to dock the boat. After that, we got to sell the fish at the market. Then it's actually probably going to be dinner time. I should probably go home and say hi to my wife. Tomorrow morning, I actually got to put together the schedule for all the hired hands to make sure that this thing keeps going while I'm gone, and then I'll follow you. That's not what happened. That's not what happened, right? They immediately, they leave their nets and they follow him, right? That's the story. That's the way that it goes. Which, by the way, guys, let me just, just pause and just tell you this, like, like how earth-shattering of a story this is, because uh, here's the deal. Uh, Peter was probably a fisherman because his father was a fisherman, because his father and his father and his father. You see, in that time, industry was something that was passed through the family, so it wasn't an individual thing. It probably wasn't even generational. This maybe have been going on for centuries, and Jesus is like, follow me. Leave what you know, leave what's comfortable, and follow me. And you're like, Seth, I don't think God's asking me to leave my job. Others of you are like, I'll leave. I'll leave my job. I'll go do something else. And maybe that's the case. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying maybe you take the comfort piece and you go, gosh, how do I embrace the difficulty of the mission that God has put in front of me? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And this is how it goes then Jesus goes down a little further. He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending nets. And immediately, Uthus, he calls them, and then they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and then they followed Jesus. 
Again, Jesus continues to build his team. And you know, sometimes I wonder, the text doesn't tell us, but sometimes I wonder, what was it like in that moment as, as James and John left their father? There's the father, he's got the hired servants, and they're like, Dad, see you later. Was he approving? Was he not approving? Was he like, Jesus, really, that guy? What? No, who's going to take this when I'm done? This is about you. Okay, take it to your break, whatever. You see, Jesus, we don't know, but here's what we do know is that later on in life, Jesus says this, I did not come to bring peace, I came to bring the sword. And when that happens, when people follow me, the way that it's designed, it's going to pit fathers against sons, and sons against fathers, and brothers against sisters, and sisters against cousins, because it's about following Jesus. Guys, here's what I know. Here's what did happen, right? Or no, here's what didn't happen, like in that moment. Okay, here's what I know. Here's what didn't happen. Jesus didn't show up on the side on, on, on this like beach, the sandy beach of Galilee or the rocky beach and look out and see Peter and Andrew and James and John. He didn't say this. He go, hey, guys, uh, do you guys want me in your life? Well, I don't know. What's it take? That takes about 30-second prayer. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Okay, all right, here we go. Uh, bow your head, close your eyes, fold your hands, say, dear Jesus, I mean, dear me. That's not how it happened. That's, I mean, like, there's a salvation, and I don't want to downplay salvation, how things can enter into our life, but here's what I know what did happen. Because right, we think about this, like this is so different than today. Like again, we're halfway through chapter one and there's already conflict with Jesus. And you're like, gosh, Seth, you're ruining my view of Jesus. It's okay, let it ruin your view. Because that's not the way it happened. This is the way it happened. Jesus entered in the scene and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's it. That's how it ends. That's how he does the story. And so guys, here's what I want to leave you guys as we finish in his first words, Jesus offers us a new identity. He talks about the kingdom. He gives you a new identity. He's like, here's the greatest gift that I can ever give you. But by the way, what comes with it is a new purpose. It's a new purpose where you get to be a fisher of men. Do you want to know why we at Salem are partnering with Ellen Hopkins and why we're doing the community gardens and things like that? It's because we have a new identity with a new purpose that demands that we are fishers of men. And instead of saying, gosh, God, what's it going to take for me? Instead, we say, whatever it takes, we're all in. You see, that's the difference between fake Jesus and real Jesus at times. And you're like, man, Seth, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just an ordinary person. Seth, do you know what that means? Ordinary is this. It's usual. It's normal. It's standard. It's typical. It's common. That's just who I am. I get that. Can I, can I tell you to look at the disciples, to look at these very first guys, these fishermen, and just say, gosh, are they anything different than ordinary? They're not. Guys, here's the deal. Guys, the right people are simply ordinary people who are all in with Jesus. It's you and me. None of us are the guy. Jesus is the guy. And here's the beauty, is that there's no prerequisites. doesn't matter about your story. There's no quiz. There's no trial. And then you have the best trainer. Jesus says, here's the deal. I'm going to make you. You don't have to do it. I will make you a fisher of men. But here's the reality, is that you probably will have to leave something behind. I don't know what you and I need to leave behind this morning. Here's what I do know is that the book of Mark is fast moving and hard hitting. 
and it shows us the real Jesus that we need to consider. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we finish this morning and as we sing a song, as we move into a sense of worship, We've been worshiping this whole time, but Lord, as we consider just moving forward, Lord, uh, Lord, we, we acknowledge, I pray that we would acknowledge that Jesus is the right leader, and it's the right kingdom, it's his kingdom, and it's that you give us a new identity with a new purpose, and that for each of us, that we would be wrestling with this idea of if, if I am all in, am I all in on Jesus? Lord, could I just take one step towards Jesus? And, and we know that we can't in one step be all in, but Lord, this morning, would each of us here say, ah, Lord, I'm willing to take one step to be all in. I'm taking one step towards being all in. And that collectively as a church, then we would then be saying, we collectively are willing to take one step in towards being all in. Lord, as we start Mark, as we jump into Mark, we acknowledge and remember that Jesus was just starting his ministry. Here we are, we're starting a new season. Lord, I pray that we would be captivated by your love and that we would be motivated by Jesus who is the right leader with the right vision and calls the right people. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.